Blue Shirts fans. And Madison Street Maniacs. Welcome back to the Worst Hockey Podcast. Um, Today is a very special episode. Nick, what are we doing today? I do believe that we got the one and only Papa motherfucking Breezy in the house today. Yeah, you want to so, give a solid intro to your old man? Yeah, so I've... My dad has been a, a Rangers fan his whole life. He's part of the reason that I'm a Rangers fan in my life. He, the guy I always reference in every other episode about <laughs> talking about uh, something that we were talking about last week. And I just thought it'd be fun to, to get his perspective on this Rangers situation, uh, Blackhawks, and the NHL. So, uh, Dad, say hi. Hello. <laughs> <clears throat> Nice. Alrighty. Um, so I'm just going to roll right into this so that it doesn't become awkward. And so we're going to talk about this week's games for Chicago and New York. So we had a few games this week for both teams, obviously. I feel like the Rangers did all right. And I've, <laughs> I mean, we, we know how Chicago did. I feel like they did all right, too. It's, it's going to be a long answer for that. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get into that, bro. But um, <laughs> I, I want to I want to spin this over to my dad right now. I want to talk about yesterday's game in particular because I know me and Nick always text during these games. But you have a fresh perspective. Um, that game last night was sure sure was fucking something. So what do you what do you think? Let's get your perspective on last night's game. It was a shit show. I'm not gonna. Uh, the Rangers came out playing fine. But Chicago never quits. That team amazes me. I mean, they, they don't have a top, I mean, besides Bedard, their caliber, they have, there's no really nobody you know on that team, but they play their ass off. I mean, I got to give them credit. They never, they never quit. No quit in Chicago. I'm sorry to say it, but there's no quit in Chicago right now. Hey, they, there you go. No, that's they, right. They, they, they play hard. Then they play hard every game. They, they play from. The minute the puck drops to the puck ends, they play their 60 minutes. They don't care. They play their ass off. They play hard. And I'm, it's such that they're at the bottom. And that's, that's just my opinion on that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's hard when you, it's hard when you, when you hang out and watch Chicago so often, like I do now and Nick does forever. Right. It's because we've been talking about this every single week. We've been talking about this every single week about how, Chicago isn't there right now, but they just try so fucking hard every single fucking week. Oh, so close. Like, a lot of those games, like, we only had two games this past week, because obviously because of the All-Star break, uh, once against uh, Minnesota, and then yesterday against New York. But, I mean, both of those games were, were one-goal games, and one of them was an overtime loss, so at least we squeaked away with the point. But, yeah, like, exactly what you said. Papa Breeze, like it, it, it's so sad. Like you're hundred percent right. There is zero quit. And there's one thing that I can commend to this team this year is that our coach, Luke Richardson has instilled just an absolute toughness to the squad. I mean, and the resiliency, I mean, cause you've got to think, I mean, we still have like what almost 20 million maybe 25 million still on injured reserve and then your top goal scorer is still you know you have to pull off the ice like an insolent child like but but you know i was very surprised when the when the hawks went down 3-1 yesterday i was like that's a wrap it is what it is like let's just try to make it close like get one more make it close and then I have. I, I'll, I'll tell you when you're done. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was, well, I was just gonna say, like you know, it, it was just gritty, and like every goal is is a gritty goal, with the exception of of Vlasic's goal last night. But like, you know, Vlasic's goal was a fucking snipe, top shelf. Like I was very impressed with that. Like I like I saw that the puck kind of trickled over to him uh, by the blue line, and I was like. All right, he's just going to throw it on net. Next thing you know, I hear Chelsea Dagger playing in the background, and I'm like, go fuck, he scored. Holy shit, that's awesome. <laughs> but, yeah, like 100% what you said, man. There's there's zero there's zero quit. And and I would honestly like to say, and as someone who is like kind of casually watching the Rangers, watched a little bit of it last year, but more so this year just because, I mean, 
how close Breezy and I got, and then you know, obviously the podcast and all that. But um, you know, there's I like to say that the that the Hawks kind of started to embody the the no quit attitude, and and I love it. I loved seeing it, and and I just hope that like you know there are some acquisitions in the off season, and and hopefully the number one pick again to get Celebrini. Um, you know, I just hope that that no quit kind of still comes over to the next year. So I hope I hope it plays over to the next year. But yeah, I mean, like you lose two one against Minnesota on on Wednesday. You know, that's another game against a against a good team. I don't, you know, standings standings to the side, but you know, Minnesota is still a good team and they're still a threat of a team. You know what I mean? And then the fact that you know you you hold them to only two goals, you lose by one. You know, but I'm more impressed with with last night's game because you're playing a team that that is a bona fide contender 100 percent year in year out they'll be in the playoffs what happens after is you know up for speculation still but like they're still gonna make it to the dance every year and and you held a you you got a point you squeaked away with a point and that's that's the only thing that i can think of that is is a huge win it's the same thing i texted you last night too i was like got a point and it's the yeah. same thing that i've been saying for weeks I'm and like, if you're going to lose a game, keep it tight or get a point. That's all exactly. I care about. And I'll turn it over to you for your thoughts on this in a second, Dad. But it, it was if you're, two things. First, Chicago, if you're not watching Chicago, it's a lot. It's really, really easy on the outside to look at Chicago and say, oh, this team sucks and, you know, make fun of them. And now they're in the same boat as San Jose where everyone's making fun of them. The difference between San Jose and Chicago is when you watch San Jose, they look like they couldn't fucking compete. Even the game that we lost to them, dude, they looked like uh, like a juniors team out there skating. They always they were falling over. They couldn't keep up with the puck, and the Rangers got lazy. The same thing happened last night, right? It's like I'm not taking anything away from Chicago's bite, but the Rangers thought, "Oh, this is Chicago. We got this in the bag." When they went up three one, they said, "All right, we're good. We, we're going to make this. It's going to be easy." Just going to coast now. Exactly. And what Chicago does is the thing that the Rangers don't do most of the time is play a full 60 minutes. Chicago plays a full 60 minutes from start to finish. So much so, they got Igor screened. They they had a nice shot. It went in easy, right? And I think even Igor was like, what the fuck, right? And where Igor is right now, basically playing second to quick and still trying to find his game and get back in and become that Igor that we know he can be, he's he's got one in quick. And it was like, what the fuck is going on? And he was in a lose-lose situation last night, right? If he wins that game, it's like, of course you fucking won. It's Chicago, you idiot. Of course he's going to win that game. And if he loses, we're having a different conversation tonight. No matter how Chicago play, this was a bad game, in my opinion, to start Igor in retrospect. Of course, the beginning of this week, I was like, of course you play Igor. It's his his turn to play. You know, he's got to play some games. But in retrospect, this was a bad game to start Igor after, you know, having this month that we had because it was a lose-lose for him. So, uh, yeah, again... but it also, in theory... I'm sorry, I don't mean to, to, to cut off cut off your pops here, but in theory, it could be, like, almost like a confidence-building game, right? So it's like you're having a rough stretch. You feel it's like, okay, look, let's be honest here. It's it's the basement dwellers we're playing now. I'm gonna, we're going to throw you in, Igor, and, you know, just get a win and just get back into the win, you know, put put another one in the column. And then so it's like you kind of go into that with like, a OK, like this is a confidence building game. This is the same as this is the, to me was the same thing that when that of when you have a like struggling forward or something and you send them down to AHL, they start lighting it the fuck up and they come back up with all like this confidence and and piss and vinegar and, and ready to ready to roll. So to me, seeing Igor in net, even though how stellar quick has been seeing Igor in net last night was kind of just like a, Hey, go get yourself a win. You know, let's, let's write the ship now. Yeah. Into like the last stretch. The problem is, is the way that the rest of the Rangers played it, it didn't do that. Right. So it's still on the table. It's almost like the game didn't even happen because we didn't get anything from it in terms of like making Igor feel good or making the fan base feel good about Igor. Because even if it wasn't his fault last night, the fact of the matter is we went to OT against Chicago. We almost fucking lost. We got lucky with Mika sinking one in, right? Because he decided to show up and he was like, fuck it. I want to make sure this game's over. Besides that, it didn't do anything to progress at Igor. So I'm with. I'm sorry, real quick. By the way, that goal should not have counted anyway because there was a blatant fucking trip in the Hawks' offensive zone. I don't know if you saw that. Mm-mm. 
Nope. Uh-huh. Uh-uh. You slow that motherfucker down, bro, because you're watching the Hawks feed. You slow that motherfucker down. Your boy fucking did not, his feet did not get fucking touched. Look, I swear on everything in this world, bro. They okay, show then a, got tackled. They show a side view of that play that you're talking about that everybody got upset about, okay? That stick touched his thigh. Your dude sprung out. If anything, I'm not even playing. You should have got a penalty for embellishment. No oh, fuck fucking off. joke. At no joke. At I'm not playing. At, oh, fuck you, dude. No, fuck you. That was a fucking... That was either a trip or a fucking interference. All right? I'm going to die on this hill. I don't care if I was watching... Because, yeah, I did see it on, on Chicago's feed. But then I also saw it on New York's feed. Because I was like, there's no there's, there's no way that this was like a, just a complete missed call. First of all, it's three on three, right? So it's obviously everything is going to be under more of a microscope. So when I see Dickinson go down and I see a Rangers player also on the ice on top of him, like, okay, if it wasn't a trip, it was fucking holding. If it wasn't holding, it was fucking interference. But either way, something should have been fucking called there. I'm going to die on this hill, bro. And I don't care if I sound like, I don't, come on, get better. Those are you lost. GG. <laughs> All right. Let's, like, let's, at the end of the day, I'm happy that that we got a fucking point out of it. But yeah, also, like, Jesus Christ, could the refs be deep throating New York more? Yeah, I had to. I had to say bullshit on that because the Rangers get fucked all the time. I'm sorry to say that they get all the time. Not just that game last night. They have a lot of calls that don't go for them. And oh, when hey, they do, it, them, when they do, ahead, I'm right. shocked. <laughs> when they do, I, I'm shocked. I'm <laughs> just. Yeah, Look, that one you talk about, it was. I did watch it too, and like I said, I watch Chicago even when I'm not watching the range. You can even ask Mike. I do not. I watch him all the time. That he did not trip him, and I seen anyone. And he looked like he jumped. It's weird. It was a weird play. It, it, I I agree. It was not a, a tripping call, but uh, you're a Chicago fan. I get it. I get it. Right. All right, all right. Oh, look, look, whatever. Look, I, hey, listen. Calls don't go the Hawks way either. There's plenty of I've seen watched. Plenty of games this year where a deciding factor in the game, whether it be a goal or a power play or something, has gone against the Hawks. Like, I've seen that shit, too. I 100% understand. But come on. Look, we have nothing. to. The Hawks have nothing to gain. If not, they have everything to, like, lose if they win this game. The goal this year is to lose games to better the draft lottery results, okay? So there's zero reason that the Hawks should even win any game going forward, you know? But it was just a matter of, like, come on, NHL officiating. Can we just get your head out of your ass and the Rangers cock out of your fucking mouth for two minutes? Hey, man. Uh, Just get better. That's all I got to say. Okay, yeah. Um, Moving on. Uh, I do want to ask a fun question because... I mean, look, this episode is, is to get mostly my dad's perspective on stuff. And just because we want to have him here and it's our show, we'll do what we want. So I'm going to pull it, I'm going to swing it over to you, Dad. I'm going to ask you what your favorite Rangers player is. And I would also like to know what your favorite Rangers moment is. And I will pull that question over to you as well afterwards, Nick. So go ahead, Father. The floor is yours. Real quick, hold on. I want to ask just a quick question Is it favorite player of all time? Or favorite player on the current squad? The question is, when I say favorite player, and I say favorite moment, something in your mind's going to stick out, right, for yep. the Rangers. That's what I want you to go with. There's gotcha. no right or wrong answer. <laughs> oh, am I, it's my turn now. I'm going to tell you, you know who mine is. Mine's Brian Leach. Always have, always will be. And my favorite moment of all time is when Stefan Mateau scored that goal to make the Rangers win. That was my all-time moment of the Rangers. <laughs> so, yeah. And, give, yeah. Give me give me a little more on that too cuz I just I just want to I just want to hear a little bit of how you felt on that because I mean there's so many moments you could have picked, right? But that uh, yeah, one's exactly. going to stick out to you. Because the rate, you know, it was it was I mean they they make it to the you know they they, they could go, you know, you know, he says, you know, we we're going to Messier says we're going to, you know, we need to win this game, we're going to win this game. And then they go down, and, and it, it was the, the the feeling, you know, the, 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 your captain puts it all out there and says, we're going to win this game. Now, that's balls to say we're going to win a game. No, no, you know, over anything, we're going to win a game tonight. And then that, that happened. It was just, it, I almost brought you to tears, you know, because, like, 
that's your team, you know, and, and your, your captain's putting it all his heart and soul out on the line saying, we're going to win this game tonight. And then they do. Shh, nothing better than that. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's I have, insane. I have uh, obviously not the actual memory of it, but I mean, you, you look back on it and it, it was a big fucking deal, right? In the newspapers, mm-hmm. Messier saying like, we will win this game. And it mm-hmm. was like, it, it was almost that Cinderella underdog story, right? From from all the stuff mm-hmm. that I've seen, it was like, oh, we're, we're going to win this game. We're going to win this game. And look, you can't do that shit now, right? You could never fucking do that shit ever now. You could never say that. Jacob Chuba couldn't have came out last year and be like, we're going to win this game and then lose to New Jersey last year. And it's like, fuck you, Jacob Chuba. Like, <laughs> I fucking hate you, dude. <laughs> so, no, that that's a, that's a good one, right? I mean... For you being there, right? Ninety-four Rangers is going to be what it is for you. That's always going to be your answer until you know proven otherwise. So I, I, I get that. Uh, Nick, what do you think? Uh, some for the Rangers, right? Like that I'm is about- correct. Okay, I'm just double checking because I don't want to move on to the Hawks if if it's too early because I I have a lot to talk about for that one. Um, so. Look, obviously, you guys have a little bit deeper of a history for the Rangers than I do, right? So I would probably say that my favorite player is is got to be Hank, um, just because the dude puts on put on a clinic every single time he strapped those fucking pads on. Thanks. Um, it, it's just no more, no, no one more deserving of a Hall of Fame and and a and a jersey retirement. Um. But I, I definitely have to say that, like, my favorite time reading, because, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't born yet when this happened. But honestly, it was the called game. It was Messier's called game. The, the fucking game six. Um, it, it just that is to me like you can't fucking do that. Like, you know what I mean? Like. Like you can't do that because like what happens yeah. if you lose that game? Right. Yeah. So now you, you, you factor in just like, you know. You're doing this for the pride of your fan base, right? Like, no fucking, there ain't no fucking chance that we're just going to let the fucking devils roll away with this, right? Like, there's zero chance. I mean, you're talking about the the battle for the eastern seaboard. And, you know, you got your captain coming out and saying, like, nope. No, we're going to fucking win. Fuck you. Fuck the devils. Fuck Broder. We're winning. Fuck you all. Type shit, right? So... (laughs) So you go out, I mean, you're you're trailing in the game going into the third. And and I've watched I've watched recaps of this game. I've watched highlights of this game. I've watched the full fucking game because I remember when I first heard about this when I was I think it was like ten between ten and thirteen years of age, and this is the first time I ever heard about this, right? I went on like a full rabbit hole. There were conspiracy theories, like it was it was insane to read about this. And I was like, Oh my God, I must familiarize myself with this. And, and and it was just, it's just fucking amazing, man. Like that, that is like, that's the shit that, that movies are written about. Right. Facts. Like that is like the same. And I know that our listeners are so tired of me bringing up baseball, but I'm going to do it anyway. But to me, like the magic behind that game behind, Messier behind the fucking hat trick behind just beating the shit out of Brodeur and the fucking devils winning the cup, everything, right? That is the same to me of the 2016 world series against the Cubs and Indians go like you're, you're leading the entire game. You get tied up late in the eighth, the eighth inning against like the home run that should not have fucking happened. Then a whole 17 minute rain delay, and then the whole adage of 17 minutes of rain washed away 108 years of pain, and, and the Cubs win the World Series. And to me, it's like that's like one of the things that's like, yeah, like movies are are written about that shit. That's like magic. That's like you you hear that, you watch it, and you're just like, how is there not divine intervention? <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's sure. that's just me, and that's that's my take on that. But that's probably. One, my favorite Rangers player, and two, my favorite Rangers moment. Two of the Cubs, can you tell me who they are? I don't know. I never heard of their team. The Cubs. <laughs> oh, sorry. So funny. You're so funny. <laughs> okay, so I will add to that. A lot of people's favorite moments or anything to do with the Rangers has to do with Hank. And he's the king for the reason, right? And yes, 
the joke, it's not funny. I'm going to say it again, though. Like, people always say the joke, like, yeah, I go to Henry Lunko's house and fucking I was thirsty because there's no cups, right? All right. Big, big funny joke, right? But he did things for 10 plus years, ex- extended period of time of being great. And he, in the last couple of years, you, you could see him going, right? But the things that he did was when he had a team in front of him that wasn't doing. That's why Hank was so good. Yeah. And that's what you're seeing right now. People are like, oh, Igor's going to be the prince. He's the next step. You know, He's going to follow the king. And he was showing that. The problem is now is when you're going through those growing pains, it's you still have to be the king, right? Even when you lose, you have to lose with grace. You have to lose like playing your heart out. And that's the one thing is we've always had goal, good goaltending in New York forever. So that's what I've been lucky with. But again, it's that's why the comparison is made where it's like you're no Hank because – when Hank was in, I mean, think about it. Hank in, in this league for 10 years was was in question for being the best goalie in the league or one of the best goalies in the league. And that's despite what was in front of him. So Hank is always a pick. For me, I mean, it goes without saying. It's it's Panarin's overtime winner, Game 7 against Pittsburgh, in that, in that long run to the Eastern Final. For me, that's the that's the best Rangers moment that I can think of because, look, before that, the years leading up to that, right, we had Hank, and it was like we, we weren't doing very well. The Rangers got to a point every year where it was like, okay, there's 17 more games left. If we lose one more game, we are physically out of the wild card. We can't, like, we can't, we're not even going to have a chance. So it's like every team has to lose, and we have to win every game. And that was a that was a reoccurring thing for a couple of years. I remember having that conversation with my dad all the time. Like, if the Rangers lose tonight, there's no playoffs. And it's like, well, d- dude, it's there's like fucking 15 more games, <laughs> you know, like November, <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's one of those things. And, and it was, and it's funny because the Rangers even back then did that shit where it was like when their ass was in the fire, they would, they would play a lot harder and they would, you would see them like change and like it would shift in their mind where they would start playing a lot better. But I mean, they just weren't that team. So eventually they would lose or eventually it would happen. They would make the playoffs, whatever. So that, that year, nobody had the Rangers as winning anything. And, and, and look, everyone's gonna be like, oh yeah, you're a Rangers fan. So of course you're going to think that your team's the underdog. No, I'm not playing like all the way oh, through the playoffs. A fucking underdog. Yeah. We were the underdog. No one had it against Pittsburgh. You heard it the entire time that we were yep. not going to win against Carolina. You heard it the entire time that we were not going to win. They only started to show us respect when we went to play Tampa Bay, which was a certified dynasty team, right? It yep. was the only time they started saying is because we won two games back to back. The first two that we, that we played. And people were like, okay, maybe the Rangers are something. And then obviously we went on to lose the next four and we were out. But it was... Okay, but still, you get matched up against, like, divisional rivals who have your, like... There's one thing that I've always said, man, is, like, the divisional games in the postseason are very reminiscent of divisional games in the regular season. Exactly. And Pittsburgh at the time, right? This was three seasons ago, right? Pittsburgh was still doing their fucking thing. They were a great team. Carolina was coming into what they are now. They they were still a good team then, but they were coming into what they are now. They were really good. Both game both series, those first two series went to game sevens. And it was like, you know, we're in overtime. Artemi Panarin sinks the fucking puck. We're m- me, my dad, my wife were all watching the game. And we were like, it was like a sigh of relief. It's like, you know, at that moment when we scored that goal, like it was like, oh shit, why not us? Like we can go that far, right? We 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 can be that fucking team. It, it it was, it was a magical moment. And again, we can go into game sevens for the rest of time. I don't think that'll ever hit like that because that was the moment that when we scored that goal, it felt like okay, we are that team. We can be that team. And now that the window is open for the Rangers, it's like you said now a million times. It's it's conference final or bust this season. There 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 is no there is no. You other way that less. this, yeah, there's no other way that this season can go any any less, and we call it anything other than a wash because it has to happen. Our window is now. I've told you before. I think the Hawks' window is in a couple years. We're very close for them to be a competitive team, but the Rangers' window is going to keep closing as as this time goes on because we're going to have to get rid of our core, bring in the guys from Hartford, and train them to be the New York Rangers, and that could take a couple seasons to get everything like that. Luckily, our guys from Hartford come up and contribute like quite quite fast i would say especially all the guys we have in the lineup now are just contributing 
But our window is still closing. Like this has to be that year where we do something, or again, anything less than that is going to be a wash after a first round exit against New Jersey. Right. But I want to switch and ask a different question. And this is going to be more fun for Nick, maybe a little less fun for my dad. I'm going to ask your favorite Chicago player and your favorite Chicago moment. So, father, take it away, please. Take, take it, take it I'm, away. I'm, take, I'm, ta- I'm taking, I'm taking. Well, it's the player. Uh, we have a lot to choose from there. I mean, I, you got so many. I mean, you got Roenick, you got Belfour, you got Makita. I mean, you got uh, so many. Uh, my all-time, my favorite is Duncan Keith. Got to go with him. Oh, my favorite. I got to go with him. I, I don't know. For some reason, I, I'm a defenseman guy for some reason. I don't know. Everyone, you know, go, you know, usually goes for their captain or a goalie. I just like defensemen. I mean, without them, you don't win games. So <clears throat> the moment part, that's tough for me. I'm not going to lie. I, I never really was into Chicago to like, you know, get into like the memory. So I'm going to have to pass on that one. Sorry, guys. I can't, I can't, I can't give you one. I'm sorry. This, Jesus, almost a hundred years in the fucking league, and you I, can't think I of know, one fucking thing. Nothing sticks out to me. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be dead ass. I'm not gonna lie. I'm just not gonna lie. Jesus I Christ! I don't follow him that well. You know what I'm saying? I'm not gonna lie. I can't help you on that one. I'm sorry. I give but you like a well thought out Rangers <laughs> moment that yeah, I that I started think thinking that. about when I was ten. <laughs> yeah, shut and, up. And you oh, can't God. fucking think of one thing. Hey, can you can you guys you know score more than one goal a game? Come on, relax. Okay. Down. Yeah, Settle easy down. to pick on the fucking ECHL <laughs> team that's posing as an NHL team. Sure. <laughs> Let me know when you make it out of the first fucking round against fucking New Jersey. All right. Making it this year, pal. <laughs> to not. Not if you're playing New Jersey, apparently. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. All right. I, well, I'm sorry. Me, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Allow, allow me to try to save this a little bit. You can uh, save all you want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I have, like, a really hard time picking, like, a favorite player and a favorite moment for, for your hometown team, man. Like, it's it's really, it's damn near impossible to do. But, I mean, I, I probably have to go my favorite player, honestly. Is that demigod Marion Hosa, that motherfucking Hall of Famer Marion Hosa? I mean, that dude was an absolute monster. Good one. Uh, what's that? Good one. That was a good one. Good one. Thank I you. like him too. Thank you. I uh, thought about it all myself. Um, but like, he's just—he was a monster, man. He was—he was a goal scorer. We needed to be a goal scorer. He was—you know what? He was a definition of a two-way forward. He could play defense if he needed to. And he could fucking score with the best of them. He could hang with the K's, the Tays, the K's. Wow. The Tays and the Canes if he needed to. Shut up. I saw your mic unmute. Don't no. you dare fuck me I up. I could have fucked buddy. you up, dog. Don't I could have fucking, fucking destroyed yeah, you, dog. I saw your mic unmute, bud. And I don't want to fucking hear it right now. It is 747 in the morning. I am exhausted. Quit it. But he was, he's got to be, honestly, was one of my, he, he was instrumental. In, I mean, in the Dynasty run. And and it was just pretty much, in all honesty, instrumental in like the the uh, the the informative years of my my childhood. Basically, um, I gotta say, my favorite moment. Look, I've been wrestling with this since you sent me. Like, this is what we're going to be talking about a couple of days ago. I've been wrestling with this because it's either Game Six. Stanley Cup final 2012-2013 uh, against Boston or it's game six against Tampa in 2015. And the only reason why it's a toss-up between these two is because in, in against Boston, you were down two to one. You tie it up with a, a nasty, just in-your-face goal by Brian Bickle. And then you you take the lead with like like a minute and a half maybe for like maybe a minute left in the game with a with with a with 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 a Johnny Oduya just kind of dumped towards the net and Dave Bolin is standing right there i mean it's fucking it's dude it's it's an iconic first of all like the 17 seconds is 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 just fucking iconic 
I mean, you got Dave Bolin who scores the goal. His stick goes flying. Both of his gloves go flying. It's almost like they just won it in overtime right there. And it was, it was just, it was insane. Like I remember my mom and I, it was just my mom and I, we, we went to this little restaurant by our house called town center lounge, which at the time was a Chicago bar and Chicago restaurant and bar. And the waiter that we had, and we went for like almost every game. So like every other day we were there, we got our fries, we got our pizza, and that was our staple. And we were going, the <clears throat> the waiter that we had uh, was also from Chicago, it was around the same area that, that I was born. And like he had like maybe four or five tables, and everyone was locked in on the game, including our waiter, who was sitting at our table eating our fries that we invited him to. Like, he was just sitting there. We were all just, like, munching, dude. It was great. But I also feel, like, this just emotional connection to to the Tampa, uh, to beating Tampa. I mean, it was the first time that the Hawks have won the Stanley Cup on home ice since, I think, in the 30s. And I mean, it was just a, a gross second effort from of <clears throat> Papa Breezy's favorite player, Duncan Keith. I mean, it was just a shot rebound and goes under glove side against Vasilevsky. And we were at that point, we were sitting at a bar uh, that's also down the street from our house that it was a bona fide Chicago bar before the, the Knights came to town. And we had about like maybe 15 or 20 people with us. And, and we just, we took over the bar. And when, when the Hawks scored, we were screaming, like you couldn't, you couldn't hear. It was literally like we were in a Chicago bar. It was insane. Um, I mean, you could you talk about like every, I mean, the whole series was amazing. I mean, you got to talk Vasilevsky running into another, um, goes to try to play the puck over by the hash marks and, and runs into another Tampa player, which I think, think maybe it would have been Victor Hedman I think at the time and just leaves the puck for Patrick Sharp to score this the easiest empty net goal you'd ever seen in your entire life and and just everything about that was amazing the the energy at the bar was amazing the and then a year later the Cubs win the World Series and it's just like Chicago is buzzing for an entire fucking year um I I have a hard time picking between the two so I'm just gonna say you know, I, you can't miss with either one. So I'm going to move this question on to Breezy before I keep talking. No, it's, that's fair. I mean, there's, this is the why I ask these questions. These are the hard hitting questions. You know what I'm saying? Like your favorite memory for your team. That's always the, the hardest ones. Um, for this, I have two, two for each, two players, two moments. I'll do the moments first because one of them is not a great moment for Chicago, but I have one good moment and and one bad moment. So the bad moment is, I guess, for Chicago, because this is the Chicago question. For me, one thing that always sticks out when I think of Chicago is, you know, the Rangers come off a year where they they played amazing and they're thinking that the the sky's the limit, right? And then we then we have a bad, a real bad losing streak. And again, everyone's starting to get tired of it. And this is when Jacob goes and literally throws hands i think twice in the same game oh and then the the infamous helmet throw right when he throws his helmet and basically tells his team to get their head out of their fucking ass and you know after that the rangers win eight straight and and do all they do in that season and make it competitive again so and it was against chicago and it was it was a year that you knew that like Chicago's probably not making the playoffs this year. So a loss right now is really adding insult to injury when when you're supposed to be the team that's coined to make the playoffs, right? And and do really well in the East. So that's the infamous Jacob Truba helmet throw. And that got the team fired up. And that was, it was the, the hit against Juju Arcara, if I remember yep, correctly. It yeah. was. And it was the it was the first time that you really saw Jacob Truba taking that C and being like, look, I am the captain. And it wasn't because he was the captain, he did it. He was just finally fed up with the team playing so shit. And he, he just said, threw- look at me. I'm the captain now. <laughs> yeah, he threw the fucking helmet at the boards. He's off the ice. And then everyone's kind of like, Oh shit, dad is bad. Oh no, we're in trouble. <laughs> like oh, um um, and then the other moment is again, it's kind of another selfish one, but it was when they we when Patrick Kane finally comes over to the Rangers because I, they had been talking about it for two seasons, and I'm not even exaggerating. They were talking about Kane coming to New York for two seasons. It was speculation. I, I've said a million times, I was like, I don't give a fuck if Kane comes over at this point anymore because I'm not even excited because I'm tired of fucking hearing about it. I don't want to fucking hear about it. 
please either do it or don't do it. You know, he finally comes over and that's one of my moments. And that's one of my, honestly, that's obviously a player because at least he was a Ranger and, and a Chicago Blackhawks. So that's fine. I mean, you had like the, one of the, one of, if not the best American born players on your squad, why would that not be your favorite player? And I wish that he was, um, I wish that he was healthy. Because I don't order of that. Yeah, I w- because I don't know if that would have saved the whole season. But I mean, if you had a Patrick Kane in his prime, I mean, look at look what he's doing in Detroit, right? He's making a fucking difference, right? He, yep. He's making a difference right now. He's noticeable again. Um, maybe not what he was, but definitely the injury held him back a little bit. But if I if I am going to pick a different player, let's say that Patrick Kane doesn't doesn't count, and and I can't say that one. If I can't use Patrick Kane, I'll 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 go with Blackwell, right? Colin Blackwell. Fuck oh, man, yeah. It, it's it's the and that's not you know because I'm not a huge Chicago fan I don't know all of the lore but it's always how it is Rangers have a player on their team he plays re- really well or he plays like shit and they get rid of him which is kind of the in the case of Blackwell didn't really make a difference they let him go and then it comes back to fucking haunt you because I mean Blackwell is is a piece to this Chicago rebuild in my opinion and this what they're gonna do in the future Colin Blackwell has a, has a place on this team. For the know. future of of Chicago, in my opinion, if not, he's going to be a real great trade piece because he's actually given a fuck this year. You, the the slight success that you're having and the no quit mentality that you guys have is in part by Blackwell and the way that he's picked up and and taken the reins and said, "I'm going to contribute just like you know your Felino and stuff are doing right now." I think that he's just as much to to attribute to that as you know anybody else on the team that's doing anything personally. I mean that's fair, yeah. I uh, I was actually having this conversation with my mom last night because we were buying new Blackhawks jerseys <laughs> last night after the game, and uh, she was like, she goes like, oh maybe I want Colin Blackwell, and I was like, I would hold off on that. Um, my the only reason why is because I don't know if you can have two of the like minded players that is Jason Dickinson and Colin Blackwell playing on the same squad. Uh, with that grit mentality when you have all of these prospects that are supposed to be making their NHL debuts within the next two years, um, the possibility and the hopefulness of Macklin Celebrini coming to the squad from the draft, Connor Bedard coming back healthy, Taylor Hall coming back healthy. You still have Taylor Radish. You still have, uh, you know, Jason Dickinson. You still have like, um, like a gnarly forward core. But I don't know if you can sacrifice a roster spot for another gritty third to fourth liner um, instead of trying to go out and acquire a like a, a Tarasenko-esque player. You know what I mean? Like we need like the Hawks need 100 percent goal scoring and, and that's it. And goal scoring and health is what the Hawks need in order to be successful. Maybe like a, a decent goaltender as well. No shot at Mrazic. Dude's been standing on his fucking head for the past, like, I don't know, six months. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just don't know if Blackwell fits in the scheme going forward. He's great this year. Don't get me wrong. But like, you got to think too, like it, it, if the Hawks were, were healthy, like they were at the start of the year, you know, players like Joey Anderson, maybe Colin Blackwell, uh, Boris Kachuk, uh, like they they wouldn't have kind of the same opportunities as they're getting now if if there isn't like a shit ton of fucking players on the IR. Sure, and and that's fair to say. But the thing is, is that your Chicago's in a unique situation where a lot of people are hurt, and there's a lot of people that are out. So yes, Blackwell wouldn't have gotten the chance that he's gotten now. But I've said this before. I think that might have been his problem. The entire time, okay? He's he's not a young guy by any means. He's not just getting into the league now. It's He never got the chance to be in a spot where he could contribute, and now you're seeing it. And personally, moving forward, I'd want the guy that, through adversity, is going to step up, and I don't know if I would put my eggs back in the basket of, of any of the guys that aren't currently in the lineup, because if you're looking at this lineup from you know a sky view, let's say, sure. C- Colin Blackwell is the guy that's fucking contributing. He could be a top six guy if he was on the right line and you let him contribute. I'm not saying with the point production, but I'm saying the mentality of a guy you want on your second line as a uh, grinder. Yeah, exactly. He's a grinder and maybe he works his way back down the third or fourth line. But you know, that's what Barclay Goudreau does. Barclay Goudreau is a 
bona fide fourth liner. It's not because he sucks. It's because that's when we put out our fourth line, that's the team that kills penalties. That's our that's our PK, or that's the team that, you know, we try to make sure defend so that we don't get scored on until our top line gets back out there and they're ready to go. So I can see him being that kind of guy. I can see him being a piece like that. At the very bare minimum, he has stepped up this year enough so you have a bargaining chip if you need to move forward. Either way, Colin Blackwell is going to be something for you guys. He's either going to be a great player for your depth, or he's going to be a good player to trade to get to whatever you're trying to get to if you and probably when you get Celebrini and get a lot of your core guys coming back off of IR. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, fuck it, I agree. I agree on that. But, I mean, the Hawks just have, like, a lot of, like, those those grinder players already that are trying to basically fight for a roster spot next year. I, like I said, I just, I'm not throwing shade against Blackwell by any means necessary. I'm very thankful for the contributions that he's made to this team while this team has been limping into every single game. So I'm not taking any shot, no throwing no shade, nothing. My only problem is, yeah, he is, in a sense, like a Barkley Goudreau kind of situation where you're playing more defense than you are playing offense. And if you are playing offense, it's because there's just been a gnarly turnover in the neutral zone or something. Um, or you're springing a fucking forward on a two-on-one. Who knows? Um, but I, I just I don't see him as like a future piece. I see him more of a trade piece than I do see him more as like a, a future roster spot. Because like I said, I mean, like you got players like Boris Kachuk, who's honestly has been outperforming Blackwell. You have Joey Anderson, who's been on the same lines, maybe a little bit more of overproducing um, or producing more than than Blackwell. But then you also have like Jason Dickinson, who not only signed a two year extension like a couple of like maybe like two, three weeks ago. Um, And that's the kind of like to me when I saw that. And I didn't see any other extensions. I'm like, okay, so if you're going to have a grinder on your team that's going to be rocking the third or fourth line that could also play first or second line minutes, um, like that's who you're going with. Like that's going to be the grinder that you go with. And, yeah. and so when I saw that, I was like, okay, well, maybe, you know, Joey's going to go back to the AHL. Boris Kachuk might be up a little bit, might healthy scratch more than he actually is playing with the Hawks. Um, but but for me, Colin Blackwell, I think he's going to be a dynamic trade piece, especially like with the news coming out yesterday that um, Trevor Zegris is now officially on the trading block. I think you could I think you could actually package Blackwell, a bunch of picks and maybe some other um, prospects up for for a gnarly haul for Trevor Zegris. And I understand he's coming back from an injury. He's been on injured reserve, blah, blah, blah. But like. Still Trevor Zegers, you know what I mean? It's still yeah. still a franchise, still oh, a franchise player for, for sure. And and it that would be a good case for yourselves if uh, Anaheim wasn't going to package Frank Vitrano and Trevor Zegers to go to New York. So it would have been happening. It would have been it would have been better for you if he wasn't already taken. So maybe oh. next year when we let him go because we only take rentals and we don't. Tie, tie people in for a couple of years but um yeah maybe like when your window opens you guys can have trevor zegers back fuck you can even have frankie back because uh you know hopefully we hey, don't need him <laughs> real quick i was actually meaning to ask you not to get off topic real quick but remember the bet we had last week with oh frankie i'll never Trump? forget it I'll okay never forget it let me ask you this because because the parameters were if he goes to the rangers i gotta get us both the shirts yes if he goes anywhere else Yes. Or stays? Yes. It's the Bedard shirt, right? Yes. Okay, so if he gets traded to Vancouver, yes. you buy us the Bedard shirts. If he stays in Anaheim, you buy us the Bedard shirts. If he goes to the Rangers, I buy us the Igor and or Vitrano shirts. Yeah, that is because I am very that's how confident I am that he's going to go to New York because A, they're talking about it. B, he was already a Ranger. He says he has unfinished business. And C, uh, I'm, I practice Santeria. So. <laughs> I ain't got um, no crystal ball. I but, don't have uh, no crystal ball or or no Stanley Cups. What's but, the what's the time frame? Is just the end of the season? I mean, it's it's this year, right? I'm not gonna be like, hey, dickhead. It's like fucking three years later. <laughs> it's 2036, and I'm like, hey, dickhead. Remember what we said? It's like, <laughs> no, it, it's it's okay, it's so this it's year, bro. Got it's it. this year. Okay, we made that bet, and I had no, like, no, uh, what's it called? explanations for anything because i told i told my wife about it and she was like well what happens after this year and i was like 
does it carry on? I let it was in there and I'm like, when does this bet end? Am I locked into like a 30 year fucking bet or until this motherfucker retires? Okay, look, if it ends, it's going to end this year, but right. But if two years from now or next year, even he, he, Frankie does come over to the Rangers, I can at least say, hey, I, I knew it was coming. Maybe they couldn't work it out. You have to at least acknowledge it. You're already be in the t shirt, so it doesn't fucking Yeah, I'll, I'll be, be wearing over. my Connor Bedard t shirt by the time that he actually goes back to the Rangers. And I'm like, yeah, man, you were right. You were- <laughs> but anyway, look at this fire selfie with this new shirt. Yeah. Like- Okay, so this question is just for my dad because we talk about this shit all the time. So this question is just for my dad because I want to get his perspective. We do mid-season breakdowns and, and this, this kind of stuff just to get ourselves on record. I like to come back and listen later and be like, hey, we were way off base or hey, we were kind of right. At Mostly, since the podcast has been me and you, Nick, it's been pretty spot on with the things that we say. I, I'm not going to lie. A lot of the shit that we talk about has been pretty spot on. I do want to put this question over to my dad. The Metro right now sees New York at the top, followed by Carolina, then Philly, and then the Islanders, and three points away from the Islanders is Pittsburgh, tied with New Jersey. So this is a pretty stacked Metro right now, and everyone's pretty close. And in honor of Nick's team being in the Central, I'm going to do that other, the other top four for that, which would be Dallas, Colorado, Winnipeg, Seattle, and then Nashville is number five, tied with Seattle. There's two similarities where you have two teams tied um, in both divisions right now. I also think that both divisions are very tough. Moving forward, not just, I mean, I probably know what you're going to say, but moving Seattle forward. In the central, dude. What did I say? I, meant, I said I meant St. Louis and Nashville. What did yeah. I say? Seattle. All right, well, whatever. Got Seattle on the brain. Fucking idiot. Um, for the I'm Metro. you up right there. Besides the Rangers, okay, who do you think is going to give the Metro the most run for their money? And then the Central, which again is Dallas, Colorado, Winnipeg, St. Louis, and Nashville. Who do you think is going to give us the run for their money in the West for the Central? Okay, I in the Metro, it's going to be Carolina. They tough. They anytime you play them, regardless if you're on a power play, entering the zone, they're oh, as soon as that puck is passed to someone, they're on you. Like that. There's no there's no space. They give you no time. And that's I and I think for for the, the Metro it'll be Carolina. They're gonna be they're gonna be tough, I think. And, and the other what'd you say the other one was? The, 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 the Central. Uh, Central. Central. Okay. Mm. Central again is Dallas at sixty eight points, Colorado with sixty eight points, Winnipeg with sixty five. St. Louis and Nashville tied with 54. And just outside of that is Minnesota with 51 mm. points, Arizona with 49, and then Chicago with the lowest. I don't want to say it out loud. That's rude. What the yeah. fuck? The unnecessary shot taken at <laughs> That's the That's a low blow. Trick. Low blow. Low blow. I, I Even though Dallas is in first, I still, I still think Colorado is tough. Once, once they start – if Georgiev can, you know, if he can keep it out of the net, and they, they could score, not lately, but they can score. But I think Colorado is going to be tough in that division, m- my opinion. So, like that's, that's those are the those are the two I pick from each one from each you know division there. So that's, that's a it. fair that's a fair that's a fair thing to say, Nick. Me and you do not get even an opinion on this because I'm sure this will come up in conversation again. I just well, want yeah, to hear you with that. Who I would say anyway. Like, I mean, yeah, Colorado Carolina always. And Colorado always. So. I will pass this question on to both of you, and I'm going to give it right back to you, Dad. At the trade deadline, or this year with the pieces that we already have, it doesn't matter if you're talking about getting somebody, if you're talking about retooling what we have. What does New York need right now to make them a better team? Like, What is the consistent thing that you think this team needs that we can actually give them? Don't just say, hey, this team needs to play better. Hey, Igor needs to play better. I'm saying, what do you think this team needs that's, that will take them to the level that they were at at the beginning of the season, or at least take us a step further. What do you think is the main thing that New York is missing? And this is an open conversation. I'll start with you, Dad. Honestly, in my opinion, I think they, they need another quality uh, center, third line center. In my opinion, um, they also need to. They're too damn slow. The Rangers are the fuck. I think the slowest fucking team in the league. I'm serious. They, they skate with lead in their ass. I'm sorry. They're the slowest team I've ever seen. And I think they need to – and their defense. They have a great – when their defense is on right now, they're good. 
I just think they get bullied, pushed around too much. I think they need a bigger defenseman in my, you know, and they need to check more. They need to hit, finish their checks, make them, make the people nervous when the puck gets them. You got to finish your check. They, they, they don't do that. And they stand still when, the, when they're exiting their zone. Instead of being moving and take the puck on, you know, you take the puck in stride, it's, they stand at standstill. And then now by the time you start to get going, that defenseman or whoever, the opponent team is already on you already because you're standing still. You're flat-footed. And, and that's, they, do, they do that every game. You can see it. They'll wait for the puck to come to them. As soon as they get the puck, the guys are on them already. They can't do nothing with it. That's why they have trouble entering the zone. And that's, that's my – and I, I think it's pretty much the goaltending is great. I mean, the top and if the top six score, they're unbeatable. That's just my opinion on that. There you go. Hand it back to you, Connell. No, I'm just kidding. Hand <laughs> it back over to you. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. You said this is an open conversation, right? So I'm just going to hop in anyway, regardless if it's not. But um, honestly, I, I couldn't have said it any better than your dad, to be, to be quite honest with you. I mean, I very I have limited you know, experience with the Rangers as it is. But I mean, just what I've seen is, yeah, they are pretty slow. They definitely do need, they definitely do need like some sort of speed, but also like, I I get why they're playing slow. They're forcing a team to, they're forcing their opponents to play to their style. But the problem is, is because of how the NHL has changed over the years and how it's become more of like a fast paced team. All these all these opponents who, you know, aren't scared of being hit because the Rangers don't finish their checks. You know, all these teams that aren't scared of being hit are just like, well, fuck you. If you guys are, if you guys want to walk, we're going to run and you got to catch up to us. And next thing you know, you're down to nothing fighting from behind. You may come back and you may lose two to one or, or four to three or whatever. But you know, a lot of the losses are close losses because of that reason. And, and a lot of the wins are blowout wins because there's, they're, they're, there's fear instilled to the opponent's team to, to to your opponents because you have a, a hitter like Jacob Truba, who is basically just a shark circling around fucking chum every time he's on the goddamn ice. So, I mean, in order to make the team better, add one component of speed and hit, and that's all. And that's all you need. Like exactly what your dad said. the The goaltending is there. Uh, the goaltending needs to have a little bit more confidence. Uh, but as soon as that confidence is instilled in that in, in that goaltending core, you're fine. Because at the end of the day, like yeah, it's the end. The, the your last bit of defense is your goaltending. So if as long as your goaltending can have that confidence, if I'm, I'm hoping Jonathan Quick can sit Igor down and be like, look, from from vet to vet to almost vet, like you're there. You just need to have that confidence. And you know, I I. I can't say anything else because I mean, fucking Papa Breezy said it all. And it's, it, I would like to see, you know how they, the fucking NHL loves these stupid statistics. Like the, this team is undefeated after the backup goalie has a chili dog in the morning before open ice skate. Like there's always Hunter like dumb... hard scores a goal after he has a nap and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Exactly. Like they love these stupid statistics. I would actually love to see the, the statistic that says like, the win percentage for the Rangers when Jacob Chuba makes a big hit or when Jacob Chuba gets into a fight. Like I would love to see that statistic because I'm sure that it's probably more wins than losses at that point. But well, you're I'm right. Sure you're damn near undefeated at that point. But when Jacob fights or when Jacob gets an, a huge, huge check and a huge hit, open ice or whatever it may be, when he does that, it's a good game for us. And we're seeing like younger guys like Will Cooley, one of my favorite new guys that we've gotten in a long time because he might not be the best puck handler. He might not make the best plays, but he's aggressive. He's young. He's strong. And he, he, he dude, he's how Ryan Reeves was when Ryan was with the Rangers, right? He's just skating around and he has more puck skill than him. I don't want to disrespect the guy or even disrespect Ryan Reeves. There's a reason for both guys to be on either team. But when Cooley was on the ice and when Cooley is on his shift, the motherfucker's looking to finish his check. If the puck's not on his stick, he's looking to finish his check on whoever. And you, sometimes it's almost a late, it's almost late of a hit because he's going to finish that check no matter what. But that's what you want to see. Guys like Lindgren who are willing to scrap and, and get dirty as a defenseman is, is what you need to see. And I would say what the Rangers need to do, and they're not going to do it. They never do, right? 
is not really worried so much about taking guys in. Even though I said I know we're going to get for Toronto, it's not really worrying about grabbing pieces at the deadline. It's taking these premium, premium young prospects or young guys from the Hartford Wolf Packs and pulling them up and letting them play. Our depth is insane. Again, we got a kid who's playing that was playing on the Bedard Canadian like championship team. We have a kid who's playing that. That that kid, Othman, is amazing. We have uh, Trevino. We have like Mackie. We have all these players down there that are so good and, and, and just ridiculously skilled, and we don't bring them up. And we have been this year. You can see Brodzinski was the captain for Hartford. He's earned a place in my book. My dad knows. He can he can tell you. I fucking love Brodzinski, and I always have. I think he's a great player. You know, Braden Schneider, Miller. Uh, Igor, the track record for bringing guys up for Hartford to stick around and contribute has been really high over the last couple of years. And I think that's where we need to keep it going. I understand the reasoning for not bringing them around right now because it's it's a cup or bust type of situation here. And when we start bringing up those prospects to develop them, it's going to slow us down. It's going to take us to a new game. And we're going to have to actually train these guys to be New York Rangers. So I understand not wanting to bring them up because the only guys from Hartford that have stuck are the guys that have figured it out or really, really, really tried. And and sometimes, especially where we are in the season right now, we don't have the time to bring these guys up and, and you know develop them to what they're going to be. It's way too late in the season. And we've had people like Zach Jones, who I love, but you know has not broken that barrier into being you know the next step of what he could be. So I can understand not bringing those guys up, but at least for next year and the years to come, it's going to be about bringing good guys that are already in an organization for a you know entry level contract, you're only spending like eight hundred fifty thousand a year, less than a million. Bring these guys up, and they're going to work hard because they want to stay in the lineup. So that's where the Rangers have to go if they want to get better. And I will also ask the same question from all the games that you've seen this year, at least, Dad. The Chicago Blackhawks. What what is I? There's gonna there could be a lot of things, but what is your idea of what Chicago needs right now to be? Because I put them as the 25-26 competitive team because they're going to have all their guys back from IR at that time. Connor Bedard will probably be a wagon. He's going to be hard to beat because if you see what the kid had this year and what he went, what he had to work with, what team he had to work with. He's already done amazing things. If Chicago wins this first-round draft pick, they're going to get Celebrini. And just so you're aware, Celebrini is that dude. He's going to be just like a Bedard. He's going to be playing on – he's probably going to be brought straight up at, at 18 years old, a young guy that's coming up skipping the AHL and going right into the NHL. And then we'll have all those guys that they have on IR back. So what do you think is the step for Chicago? What is the piece that they really, really need to be a competitive team next year? Well, like you said, I, you know, I watched them. I, I don't want, I, I watched some games. I haven't watched really a lot of Chicago, but I try to watch enough of them because I do like them. Um, first, like you said, need to be a healthy team. Obviously you have to have you guys back from IR, obviously. And I think with these younger kids as well, they need more playing time together. It's you can see they they they're almost to that point. I mean, they, they they're competitive now. If they can just gel more and and just have more chemistry together, they're gonna be tough. They're gonna be real tough because they play their ass off now. Imagine if they clicked like full on, one hundred percent clicked on everything and got some, you know, maybe a couple more veterans in there. I think. They're gonna be they're gonna be unstoppable. They're they're a fast team. They're a good team, and like maybe another I don't know. Only every time I see them play, all I see is Morazic. I don't see in the backup. I've never seen a backup goalie. I I don't even know who their backup goalie is. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. So good. I, I okay. There you go. Thank you. But uh, like I said, I I think it, more they need to like you know more 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 uh, playing you know ice time for everybody together. A couple more veterans. And I think they're gonna be solid, like you said. They're gonna be a good team if they if, if they do get this first round draft pick. You know, this this year coming up, watch out. They're gonna be tough. <laughs> They'll be up I will, there. I will jump in They'll about the goalie there. situation uh, because Mrazic and Soderblom, which is their backup, is Soderblom. So yeah. that I give you an analogy that you can understand. It, it was like Igor and Georgiev. Like yeah, Igor okay. was was very much the starter and very much better, and then Soderblom is very much like the Georgiev of of Rangers past, where he could come in and do some shit, but he had soft hands, and once he got scored on, it was like it was okay, yeah, it's 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 you can see the night getting away from him. That's exactly who it is. It's like an Igor Georgiev situation. Morazic is that dude doing the best that he can with what he has, and then Soderblom 
to, you know, no fault of his own, right? It, I, I get it, but he's got soft hands. When he lets one through, it the whole night starts to unravel, and that's kind of where Chicago when when Mrazek's not in net, usually the loss is because you know Soderblom left some stuff in that you wish he would have stopped. Yeah, that's the that's the very unfortunate part. As much as he wants to try to sit there and say like, "Oh, I try not to let these losses get get you know affect my everyday mental health." Look, I'm on all for that. I'm a very big supporter of the mental health facility, but also, fuck, man, like that's rough. It is rough every time he is on the ice. He, I think he has like one or two wins this year and like thirteen losses. Like it's not good. Um, I'm gonna make this super short and sweet because, uh, well, the Hawks really don't need much besides fucking goal scoring goal scoring and and honestly the bolt you need to build up your defense a little bit more because it, it is unfair like okay for instance we'll use last night as an example when boris kachuk's skate came out of his fucking blade and uh who was it Kreider had like the easiest tapping goal of his entire career and and it, yeah, at one point you could kind of blame Morazic for that because he was way too far out of his net. But also, like you had zero defensive help on that, and and that led to Kreider being wide open on the goal mouth, and it was just I watched that happen, and I was like, okay, so the Rangers just had a, a five on four power play, which actually technically was like a five on three because you had I think it was like Jason Dickinson trying to push him towards the fucking. <laughs> towards the bench to get his skate replaced. So it was like a five on three power play. But uh yeah, I mean I'm I'm hoping Celebrini for one comes to the Hawks and if he comes to the Hawks he's producing along the same lines as, as Connor Bedard did. I'll even take like maybe a couple percentages less just because I mean Connor Bedard was otherworldly in the juniors. But uh yeah, I mean I I I can't say what they need because the majority of this year has just been injury ridden. So I really feel like if the if the Hawks were as healthy as they were at the start of the year, we might be talking about a different position that the Hawks are in now. Maybe not so much of like, you know, central division champions on the horizon, but maybe maybe squeaking into the playoffs as a like the wild card eighth seed or something, you know, but you know, for lack of, for for we just need fucking offense. We just and, need offense, and that's fair too. And look, it, it doesn't matter how the fuck you get into the playoffs, right? As long as you get there, because then it becomes a, a, everything else goes away, and it's just a team versus another team, and it's just whoever wants it more and whoever tries harder. I will say a few things though. One, yesterday to get look, we've been teasing you all episode, but my dad and I just did say yesterday that Chicago has one of the sexiest jerseys. Of, of all time. It's a top five Back. jersey. We Back. agree that it's a beautiful jersey and we like the logo. I have said a million times that I think their shoulder patch should be some type of reverse of some kind, the, the Tomahawks with the C. That's very cool. Um, my wife did get props to the, the jersey that just says Chicago across the front. That. That's she, one of my favorites. She says that that one's fucking hard, color scheme and the Chicago font she says is sick. I, I can't disagree. But I'll give you your accolades on that one. Again, for for Chicago, it it is it's really easy to get caught up on the things that don't work. But if you had performance, if you had like production in terms of goals, the the defense wouldn't be as noticeably quote unquote bad as it is. I think that their team is your team is very good. I think that they have the ability to do really good things, and that's the reason why I even put my money where my mouth is and said twenty five twenty six. Because even if you took what we had right now for Chicago, they would be there if the production was there right if you had like a a, a, a Mika Zibanejad of old or Artemi Panarin of the beginning of this season right scoring mixed with Connor Bedard and Celebrini finds his place right you give the C to Felino and he sticks around and has the leadership to help develop the, whoever comes through the door next Morazic stays and has somebody to back him up like a you know uh, somebody like a Deming who can show up or like a quick that shows up when it's his turn to play and can actually win games instead of you thinking, all oh, right, it's just a buy for the next team. That's what you need because we're getting to a point in the NHL now where it's you don't need to just beat their starter. You got to beat their backup because their backup is probably just as good. If your team doesn't have that goaltendership, you're already a step behind, right? So the defensive, right. offensive, forward, or defenseman, so your defenseman has to be able to contribute on the score sheet. Your goalies, first 
1A and 1B have to be able to contribute to the win sheet, and then you have to have your top six contributing on the you know, the actual points sheet on this, on the box score. And I know that sounds like a simple recipe for any hockey club. And it's like, of course, that's what the fuck you need to score, to stop pucks and to be strong defensively. But you're like really right there. I'm talking about one backup goalie would be enough. One good defenseman who can contribute like a Burns or something. And you know, I love my Burns. If you can have someone like a Burns contributing on defensively or like how like a McCarr does, and then also get like one, like veteran top six guy to contribute to your first or second line mixed with Bedard mixed with Celebrini. I think honestly, that's the recipe for success for Chicago. That's all they need. It's like three players. You're three players away and all your players coming back from IR vetting out which ones you don't want, grabbing three of those players from each goalie defense and forward. And you guys are there personally. 